0: Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. Praise God Almighty. We're talking about tonight the law of faith. the law of faith one of my favorite subjects to preach on it's been a while since i've really taught on this subject although there is always a hint of faith in everything that we talk about right but this is specifically talking about something called the law of faith so look romans chapter 3 verse 27 the apostle paul speaking who taught paul the gospel jesus did so that's where he got all his information from so if we think that he's smart, remember where he got his education from. And you're smart to listen to Jesus, I'll tell you right now. It says, where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works? Nay. But by the law of faith. Faith is a law. And we know that the word of God teaches us there are spiritual laws Just like there are natural laws in the world. There is the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. That sets us free or liberates us from the law of sin and death. So there's two laws right there. Just a question I might ask all of us tonight. Would you prefer the law of the spirit of life or the law of sin and death? To be operating in your life. I would choose the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. But notice it is a law. The law of the spirit of life, just like the law of sin and death, is a law. A law is a statement of fact, deduced from observation to the effect that a particular natural or scientific phenomenon always occurs if certain conditions are met. So there has to be certain conditions met. For example, you've got the law of gravity, we know that. But we also have the law called aerodynamic law. The law of thrust and lift. There's Newton's law of motion we know. These are laws that operate. That function. We know that. Well the law of faith. Enables us to operate in the law of the spirit of life. That will like the law of aerodynamics. Lift us up above the law of sin and death. So we can enjoy a higher quality of life. Just like the law of aerodynamics lifts us up above gravity so that we can fly high in the sky and enjoy the sunshine even though it's a cloudy day down here. So in the book of Romans chapter 5, we learn this about this law of faith. This is what enables us to tap into and enter into or experience and access all the grace of God. We hear a lot about grace these days. And grace is a wonderful subject. By the grace of God we've been saved. But faith enables us to access all the grace of God. If it's saving grace, healing grace, delivering grace, protective grace, whatever it might be, praise God, the law of faith enables us to tap into this thing called grace. So let's read it in Romans chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Therefore, being justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. What a place to be in, peace with God. By whom, that's Christ, also by faith into what? Into this grace wherein we stand. So how do we access grace? By faith. And rejoice in hope of the glory of God. So we see this law of faith is essential and important to us if we're going to access the grace of God. But remember this, the grace of God is multifaceted. We're to be good stewards of the manifold grace of God, manifold grace of God. All these manifestations of the grace of God are available to each and every one of us, but we must tap into them by faith. The gospel, we are told in the book of Hebrews chapter 4, doesn't benefit or profit anyone unless they mix faith with it. So even though we may know the gospel, understand the gospel, unless we mix faith with the gospel, then it doesn't benefit us, doesn't profit us. I remember a time in my life when I wasn't saved, even though I believed that Jesus was the Savior. Why? I didn't mix faith with it. I didn't understand how to mix faith with it. No one ever taught me how to mix faith with it. There have been those that would say, and I would say it myself, I hope to go to heaven someday. I hope to get to heaven someday. How many of you know hoping to get to heaven someday will never save you? Oh, I hoped I would get to heaven. Hoped I would get to heaven. But that didn't save me. When someone came along and said, you must be born again. You must accept Christ. You can't get to heaven on your own, on your own works. It's not possible. You can't be good enough. You can't go to church enough. You can't give enough. You can't do anything enough. To open up heaven's doors to you. You've got to believe in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And activate what he did for you by faith. And that's when I realized it's not about me. It's about him. It's about what he did for me. Praise God. And so because I made a decision to accept Christ as my savior. By faith I accessed the saving grace of God. And I got born again. I've not been the same person ever since. I've been changed from the inside out. A new heart, a new spirit, a new life. All because of the grace of God. I access how? By faith. And faith is a law. It's a law that works. Just like these natural laws work. How many of you know that gravity works for everyone? You don't see people walking around, floating around above the law of gravity, do you? No. But when that law is interrupted, when you're in outer space, what happens? People float. So you see there's a natural law. Called the law of gravity. When certain conditions are met, it's in operation. Aerodynamic law is the same thing. When certain conditions are met, it's in operation. Which takes us up above the law of gravity. But when they're suspended, something else happens. Why am I saying this? Because faith enables us to tap into the dimension of God. In the book of uh, Kings, look at Second Kings 6, 5, and 6. Look what it says here. But as one was felling a beam, the axe head fell into the water. And as he, he cried and said, alas, master, for it was borrowed. And the man of God said, where fell it? And he showed him the place. And he cut down a stick and cast it in thither. And the iron did swim. How many of you know that iron doesn't swim? It just doesn't swim. I guarantee you, if you take, just take, for example, a sledgehammer... Iron on the one end, throw it in the water. Let me know what it does. It's going to the bottom of the lake, is it not? How can throwing a stick in the water make it suddenly float to the top? The law of gravity wouldn't let that happen. But because the prophet, the man of God, operated in the realm of faith, now we don't have an understanding or we even know whether or not he heard God speak to him and say, have him throw a stick in or you throw a stick in or whatever. The point is this, we know it was faith... That was an operation that caused the axe head or the iron to float or swim and not stay at the bottom. But I, I thought about this. Isn't, this. isn't it just like this? He borrows the axe. You know when you borrow something, you're going to break it. You, you know it's going to happen. So don't borrow it. Go buy your own. You go to your neighbor. Can I borrow this? Can I borrow that? Yeah. I did that one time. Oh, never mind. And it did. It was Exactly that's what it was. It was an ax. I, I was going to cut down a tree in my backyard. And I borrowed an ax from the neighbor. One whack. The whole thing just cracked in half. Brought it back in two pieces. <laughs> and I said, sorry. He said, I, I, I kind of figured that might happen because it's so old. It hasn't been used in ages. And I can see that it was getting bad. I said, it didn't take long. Just one whack and it was gone. Isn't that always the case? So, buy your own. (laughs) Look at Matthew's gospel, chapter 14. See, it's not possible for iron to swim unless there's an operation of faith involved. And then it swam. Here is another thing that defies the law of gravity. Here's Peter walking on the water. Matthew, chapter 14, verse 28. When Jesus said to him, come, Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it be thou bid me to come on the water, and he said, come. And when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on the water. Now you have to understand that we can't walk on water. You may think you can walk on water, but you can't walk on water because there's a law in place, which is the law of gravity. You're going to go down, you're going to go under. So Peter starts walking on the water to go to Jesus, but when he saw the wind boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus stretched forth his hand and caught him and said unto him, O thou of little what? Faith, wherefore didst thou doubt? And when they were coming to the ship, the wind ceased. Now notice that Jesus defined this as little faith. Now In my book, I'd call that great faith, stepping out of a boat and beginning to walk on water. But Jesus said, no, little faith. And why did he say little faith? Because he didn't consummate the miracle. Because he began walking on the water, but then he got distracted. And what shows me is this, certain conditions were being met when he first stepped out of the boat, but those same conditions that were being met stopped being met and he began to sink. And that tells me in order for the miracle to be consummated, One must continue to operate in the law of faith and not be distracted from walking out the law of faith. The enemy has a job to do, and that's to get us out of faith because he knows if he can, we'll sink. Well, Peter got distracted. Now, why he would be distracted walking out there in this this storm on the water is beyond me. But for Jesus to say to him, man, you got little faith. Wow. He went from no faith from the first storm now to little faith. Little faith begins the miracle, but little faith doesn't consummate the miracle. You see, it starts meeting the conditions, but then something changes. Well, let me ask a question. If you're flying in an airplane and you run out of fuel, what happens? You don't want to be on that plane, but I'm saying what happens? You stopped. Meeting the conditions of thrust and lift and as a result the plane that was rising up above the law of gravity all of a sudden begins to come down. That's why sometimes I get puzzled when people say, well it had nothing to do with his faith. Really? Really? Well then it has nothing to do with the fuel. No, the conditions weren't being met. To continue operating in aerodynamic laws. The conditions stopped being met that enabled him to walk on water. And I believe that of all the miracles that took place here in the Bible that Jesus did in his ministry, which the world couldn't contain the books, that was put in there to let us know you got to stay in faith to get the end result. Because if you don't stay in faith and that law of faith is interrupted, you can begin to sink. Now, of course, when we begin to sink, there's someone you can cry out to. Anybody have an idea who it is? Buddha, right? Confucius, right? Moon, right? Krishna, right? No, who is it? What's his name? We call out to Jesus, amen, and he's there to save us. And we thank God for that. But he does expect us to grow on our faith and develop our faith so that the next time we begin walking on the water, we can consummate the miracle. We can get back to where we need to be. Well, the law of faith is a wonderful thing. That particular testimony reveals to us the fact that we've got to stay in faith and not get out of it. Because if you abort it, you're going under. In Mark 11:23, we have a revelation given to us by one of the greatest teachers who ever lived. Actually, he walked on this earth like no one walked. He spoke as no one spoke. He taught as no one taught. He did as no one did. Actually, he was spoken of as one who spoke with authority. As if he really knew what he was talking about. Anybody here think that Jesus knows what he's talking about? I think he does. And sometimes I just really like to talk to people that when we read this verse of Scripture, well, it doesn't really mean that. It doesn't really mean that. Wait wait a minute. Who taught this verse of Scripture? Do you think he is effective in communicating what he wants to communicate to people? Okay. Let's read the verse and then we'll expound. For verily I say unto apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. No, verily I say unto whom? You. That whosoever. Are you a whosoever tonight? Whosoever shall say to this mountain. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he saith shall come to pass. He shall have whatever he saith. This is a revelation of the law of faith. This is how faith works. These are the conditions that must be met to operate in the law of faith so that we can continue operating in a higher spiritual law than the law of sin and death. It's up to us to learn it. And to meet the conditions. To operate in it. So we can experience the quality of life that God has for us. But there's no one better to teach the law than Jesus. So look in Matthew's Gospel chapter 11, or Mark's gospel chapter 11 now. And look at verses 12 through 14. Because he also models it for us. This is called the law of faith. And remember this isn't just saving faith. We thank God we've been saved by grace through faith. But faith taps into all the graces of God. All that God has provided for us through Christ can be tapped into through the law of faith. And on the morrow when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered, And said unto it, Wait a minute. What did this tree say to him? He answered it. What did the tree say to him? I don't have any figs. No figs today. He said, Oh, so he answered and says, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. Wait a minute. Who else heard it? The tree heard it. The disciples heard it, but the tree heard it. And when the tree heard the words of Jesus, the tree obeyed the words of Jesus. Did you know you can speak to an inanimate object? Hmm? This is what Jesus taught, and we'll see it further. But go on to Mark 11 and look at verse 19. Now let's start there and read it verse, through verse 23. And when the evening was come, he went out to the city. Out of the city in the morning as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots. So obviously it didn't dry up immediately or they would have seen it then. But they went into where they were going and they came back and they see the tree dried up by its roots. And Peter calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering, saith unto them, have faith in God, or have the faith of God, or have the God kind of faith. Those are all correct translations. Okay, what is that, Lord? For verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, now he gets their attention off of the tree to the mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, But shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. Notice the criteria. Three times he uses the word say in one form or another. One time he uses believe. You got to believe from the heart that what you say with your mouth will come to pass. And you will have whatsoever you say. And notice it's for whosoever. It's not for just apostles prophets evangelists pastors teachers it's for whosoever so he's teaching this law of faith that will take us up above the law of sin and death and tap into the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus and activate those things that Christ obtained for us to redemption The finished work of Christ is finished. There's nothing more he has to do. All we have to do is activate it. All we have to do is receive it. So, in Psalms 33, notice something here. The law of faith involves speaking and believing, those two have got to be in sync. One must believe from the heart, one must say with the mouth. But what he must believe from the heart is that what he says with the mouth will come to pass. You realize that if we really believe from our heart that what we say with our mouth would come to pass, we wouldn't be saying too much. Or we really would be watching what we're saying, wouldn't we? Think about it. There's a lot of things that we would not be saying if we believed our words were that powerful. I'm sure you said some things out of your mouth to someone that you know that you would like to take back and pull them back in, but you can't do it because that's impossible to do. But we've all been down that road. In Psalm 33, verses 8 and 9, we have no problem with this. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him. Why? For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. We have no problem believing and knowing that God's words are powerful and authoritative. He spoke the world into existence. Let there be light. Let there be, let there be, let there be, let there be. Genesis chapter 1, the law of faith revealed to us. God believed it. God spoke it. It came to pass. That's his creative powers and ability in operation. But we do have a problem believing that our words are powerful and authoritative. Even though the scripture says that death and life are in the power of the tongue. So, to understand the law of faith is to understand a need to develop the heart. To come into close fellowship with God, to glean light from Him, to have a clear cut understanding of His Word, His will, His ways, His desires for certain things that we want accomplished in life, or He wants to accomplish in, in what He purposes for our lives. But it's up to us to believe it from the heart, and it's up to us to express this with our mouth. That's how faith works. That's how faith operates. Matter of fact, that's what Jesus taught about faith. He taught his disciples, first of all, when they had no faith, it was because they didn't believe that God cared about them and that they were going to die in the first storm. Second storm, Peter walks on the water and Jesus says, you've got little faith. So they graduate from no faith, to little faith. And then we hear of great faith, He spoke up to the Syrophoenician woman and the Roman centurion. And those two aren't even Jewish people, but they had great faith. Then we understand there's perfect faith. Abraham displayed perfect faith, we are told in the book of Hebrews. When he received Isaac raised from the dead before he ever went to kill him. So we understand there are different levels of faith. And that's important to know. Why? Because you can be strong in this one area of faith and weak in this other area of faith unless you develop your heart toward that. Where we should all be as far as the drawing board is concerned is sitting down at the feet of the master and saying, you know what, shine the light of your scrutiny upon my heart. I want to know what I'm made of. I want to know what's inside me. I want to know what my fears are. I want to know what my whatever, worries, anxieties, whatever they might be. I want rid of all that. Remember the man that cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. I want to believe beyond where I'm at right now. I want to display a faith that goes beyond what I've ever experienced before. I want to walk with you in this realm and arena of faith so I can rise up above the law of sin and death. Jesus taught this. Look at Matthew seventeen nineteen. Your words have powers, power to remove mountains and uproot trees. Did you know that? Thank you for your enthusiasm. Did you know that? And a mountain refers to a problem. A tree, re, really, it really is talking about a root, something that you're rooted in, a root of bitterness or whatever. You can uproot. A mountain you can remove. Something you could uproot can be uprooted and removed. Unforgiveness, bitterness, animosity, et cetera, et cetera, whatever it might be. A cancerous tumor, et cetera, et cetera. We can speak to things and uproot them. From our lives. And look at what Jesus said about this. Matthew 17. Is he the ultimate teacher? Is he the one that can reveal truth to us? Does he understand and know the law of faith? Who better than the one that created the world by the word of his mouth? Matthew 17. This ver- These verses right here are just so impacting. They go, it's beyond words. This is what we should all be really focusing our attention on. For these reasons. look. At, let, let's read it. Then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, Why couldn't we cast him out? And Jesus said, Because it wasn't the will of God. Because he could serve me better, sick or weak, and demon possessed. Because the timing wasn't right. He didn't say timing wasn't right? No, he didn't say any of that, did he? Why couldn't we cast him out? Jesus just gets right down to it. Because of your unbelief. No one likes to hear that because of your unbelief. For verily I say unto you, truly I am telling you. Does Jesus lie? Is he telling the truth here? If you have faith as a grain of mustard seed, you shall think. You shall ponder. What shall you do? What shall you do? Say. Say. Notice, you shall say to the mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. He just gave us a revelation of how we can have all things made possible to us. Wow. Did he mean that? Notice he didn't say, you shall pray to the Father to remove the mountain. What did he say? You shall say with authority and power to the mountain, remove hence to yonder place and it shall remove and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Well, we've got a lot of work to do on the inside of us, don't we? Why? Because we've got to believe from our heart that our words are that powerful. We've got to believe from our heart. That we can move mountains with our words. And again, words that are authoritative, words that are powerful. Remember the centurion who said to Jesus, you don't have to come under my roof. You don't have to come to my house. Speak the word only and what? It'll be done. My servant will be healed. And Jesus said, great is your faith. I've not found so great faith in all of Israel and it was based on the man understood authority and then when someone in authority speaks a word it will come to pass. It has to come to pass because there's a law involved in it and he understood that and he knew that. He said I got soldiers under me I tell this one to go and he goes this one come and he comes and this one do that and he does it. It's that simple. It has to happen. So you have words that are Full of power and authority. Containers of death and life. You say, why death? Because you know, you've got to speak death sometimes. You speak to a cancerous tumor and say, die. Die in the name of Jesus. A growth of any sort. Die in the name of Jesus. Jesus never said, pray to the Father and ask him to cast out a devil. He said, you cast out devils in my name. You cast them out. You speak to them with authority and command that they stop in their maneuvers. Cast them out. Release them of their assignments. Look at Matthew 21 and 21. This is Jesus. If you had faith, you would what? Say. Jesus answered and said unto them, Verily I say unto you, if you have faith and doubt not, now he's dealing with the heart, you shall not only do this which is done to the fig tree, but also if you shall what? If you shall what? Say unto this mountain. Notice the key factors here. You can't doubt in your heart and you've got to say it with your mouth. Be thou removed and be thou cast into the sea. It shall be done. He didn't say it might be done, but it shall be done. Who's teaching us this? Jesus. Look at the next one Luke's Gospel 17. I really like this one. When Peter asked, How many times shall we forgive? Seven times, Lord? He said, no, seven times 70. And the apostle said unto the Lord, you better increase our faith. You know, because it's not easy for us to forgive people. So increase our faith. And he says, the Lord said, if you had faith as a grain of mustard seed, you might, what? Is he being redundant? Or is he driving home a point? If you had faith, which is something that operates from the heart of a person, then you would say, say, what? To the sycamine tree. And he chooses to use a, to use sycamine tree because its branches spread out and go down, their're roots, they're rooted. Be thou plucked up by the root, and be thou planted in the sea." And I love this last part, and it should obey you a tree does he know what he's talking about is jesus clear in his thinking does he understand the law of faith what is he saying to us you have power in your words and authority in your words so that you can use your words to your benefit but you have to have an understanding of faith in the heart and don't doubt that what you're saying will come to pass It will come to pass. A tree will obey you. And I've often thought about uprooting a tree. Because I've uprooted many trees. Have you ever uprooted a tree? How about the guy that always tries to back up his truck or his car. Put a chain or a rope around his bumper. And his bumper falls off. Hmm? I've seen that happen on numerous occasions. And I've tried to say don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Those roots are deep. And strong and sturdy. Pull a bumper off a car. Okay, get out your uh, saw, your chainsaw or something. Cut those roots off if you're going to do something like that first. But there they are, rooted, deeply rooted in the ground. To speak to that tree and say, be thou plucked up by the root is one thing to get it out of the ground. Have you tried to walk into the sea? Knock you over? And this tree is going to be planted in the sea. Now, I realize he's giving an example here. And if he's talking about the root of bitterness, be plucked up by the root from my heart, from my life, and be planted in the sea. In other words, the sea of forgetfulness. It will obey you. But I could just visualize that if he meant that literally. Trying to plant a tree that's been uprooted into the sea with all the waves beating in. Not an easy thing to do. With all the water pressure and all that. Not an easy thing to do. But he said with words you can do it. Imagine that. With words you can do it. That are faith words coming from your heart. How much more can we apply the principle to our lives. By telling ourselves I will not be bitter. Bitterness be uprooted. Be planted in the sea of forgetfulness. I am not going to use animosity. Bitterness unforgiveness. In my heart. So the devil can destroy my life i refuse to do it and you know what it's going to take effort to say i choose to forgive i choose to let go i choose to forget it's a decision that we make from the heart and then you speak to it a lot of times we'll say i just can't forgive can't forget yes you got to speak to it and when the enemy tries to bring it up from the sea of forgetfulness you look him in the face and just say that's just a picture of something that was already dealt with once and for all it is gone I refuse to consider it I confuse to entertain it it's gone in Jesus name praise God so Jesus taught faith is released with words but it originates in the heart of a person look at that really believes in his words so the heart and the mouth must be in sync They've got to be working together. Remember when Jesus said, you honor me with your lips, but your heart is miles away from me. In other words, you can parrot the same thing. You can echo the same thing, but it doesn't mean that it's coming from your heart. You can repeat what somebody else is saying and you're operating on their faith or in their faith, but you're not really believing something from your heart and saying it with your mouth. And too often times people have tried to copy someone else's faith and got themselves into trouble actually costing some people their lives. Look, Paul had an experience and a perspective when it comes to faith. And who taught Paul the gospel? Jesus did. So look in the book of Romans chapter 10 and here we have a revelation of how a person gets saved. And isn't it amazing that it's the same principle that Jesus taught about the law of faith in Mark eleven 23. Let's read it and see what it says but what saith it notice what saith it the word is nigh thee even in your mouth and in your heart that is the word of faith which we preach that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe in thine heart that God raised him from the dead thou shalt be saved why Paul For with the heart, man believes unto righteousness or right standing with God, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. With the heart, man believes, with the mouth, man confesses. It's not enough just to believe. One must believe and one must confess. You realize standing and looking at the mountain is not going to make it move? You know, praying to God about the mountain is not going to make it move? When God said, Speak to the mountain? We've got to believe in our heart and say with our mouth. Every single one of us was deeply rooted in sin and spiritual death. Every single one of us in this place. And for the longest time in a religious setting, I still didn't know that I was saved. I wasn't saved. But I was in church until I was 24 years old. I never heard that verse of scripture. I was never taught. You've got to believe in your heart and say with your mouth the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Never did it. Or if I did echo some of those words, I had no revelation of what I was even doing. But I'll tell you what, one day I found out. You want saved? You want born again? You want the law of sin and death to stop operating in your spirit? If you want it, you can have it. But this is what it's going to take. You got to believe with all your heart that Jesus Christ did for you what you couldn't do for yourself. You then got to believe that when you call upon his name, he's going to do a work in your heart, changing you from the inside out. You'll become a new creation in Christ Jesus and all old things will pass away and all things become brand new. But you've got to believe it from the heart and you've got to say it with the mouth. You've got to confess him as Lord in your life. And you know what? I did that. I mean to tell you, I didn't do it because someone else told me to do it. I didn't repeat it because someone else said to repeat it. I had a sinner's prayer written out. I looked at that thing and looked at that thing and I said it and said it and said it until finally it dropped down on my spirit and I realized it took place. I believed in my heart. I confessed with my mouth and the spirit of God came in my spirit and praised God. Spiritual death left and the life of God came into me. That's being born again. It's not being religious. It's not being baptized in water. It's not doing good works and deeds. It's making Jesus Christ the Lord of your life and the Spirit of God. Recreate your spirit. You become a new creation. A masterpiece. A work of extra, an extraordinary work. Mm, think about that. That's who you are. You are his workmanship. Means his masterpiece. Handcrafted by him. Designed by him. Washed in his blood. You on the inside, praise God, are a new species that never before existed. The sad part about it is though, you can't get it to the outside unless you get it through a renewed mind. You and I got so much on the inside of us, praise God, if we just knew it, we'd explode. It's on the inside now. We're not waiting for God to give us something. He's already given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Can you imagine him looking at us when we say, you know, can I have this? I've already given you all things that pertain to life and godliness, 2 Peter tells us. I already have it now. You mean Lord? You have it right now. Just activate it. See the gospel doesn't work without faith being mixed with it. Activate it. Believe you have it in your heart. Say it with your mouth. I'm so weak. I'm so weak. I'm so weak. Let the weak say, I am strong. There's a reason for that. We've got to believe that from the heart, I am strong in the Lord and power of his mind. You may be weak, but he's not. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. mounted with wings, the eagles are running out weary and walking on faint. Why? Because you're operating in the strength of Almighty God. He'll infuse to you inner strength that will rise up on the inside of you as you believe it, as you declare it, as you say it, praise God, it will be a reality. But if I keep walking around, I'm just too weak, I'm just too this, I'm just too that. I'm... You know what? You're gonna have what you say. Why say what you have when you can have what you say? I'm so weak. I'm so broke. I'm so poor. We just go from pay to pay. It said it can't make ends meet. Keep saying it. You'll keep having it. Because Jesus said if you believe it, you'll have it. I understand there are people that don't understand this language of faith. And to some, it's just really difficult to comprehend. It's not magic. Let me tell you right now. But it is a spiritual law. And if we believe that from the heart and start saying it with the mouth, you will set a new course for your life. I mean it. A new course for your life. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm going to start speaking life where I need to speak life and death to what I need to speak death to. Whatever it might be. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 13. The heart and mouth must work together. Now here, Paul says something else about faith. Look, look at this. We having the same, what? <clears throat> Spirit of faith. According as it is written. Not according as I think. Not according as what someone else thinks. But according as it is written. How important is that? To know what is written. I need to know what's written. I believed what is written. And therefore have I what? Spoken. We also believe and therefore what? Speak. Do you see the connection between believing and speaking? That's the law of faith. It's like thrust and lift. They have to be in operation. The conditions have to be met in order for the law to be in motion or operation. So I believe... Therefore have I spoken. We believe and therefore, what do we do? Speak. Now when people first learn this, they go crazy. And get foolish. They fail to realize that it's based on what God said, not based on whatever they want. It has to be based on something that God said. It's based on what is written, not what my intentions are. When I was off at school at Ramah, and some of these individuals that were just there, they were just young in the faith. I'm assuming, I hope they were. You know, you go to the restroom after a class and you hear these people talking and they say, I wish I knew this long time ago. I'd quit my job and just live by faith. I would say money's coming into my possession. Money's going to pay my bills. Money's going to do this. Money's going to do How many of you know that your landlord doesn't want to see your faith? He wants to see something green coming out of your hand or a check, right? And they actually believed that but you know what the bible says if you don't work you shouldn't what you don't eat you don't violate the laws of God the word of God and just say I'm going to do what I want to do and people would just go around confessing this and confessing that basically going crazy over it and the bad name Ramah got from it is unthinkable many of those students did not pay their rent bills their grocery bills and they skipped town they went back home wherever they came from and left all the people hanging. And of course, who gets called? The school does. They knew they were Ramah students. They were using their faith, but never paid their bills. That's not how it works. But We got to believe what the Bible teaches and what it says. We put it in our heart. We put it in our mouth. And you know what? We keep on speaking it until it becomes a reality to us. You're not borrowing somebody else's faith. You're developing your own faith. By finding out what the word says and acting on it. Now, it's believing what we believe, not what someone else believes. Now, Jesus believed in his words. Look at this as an example. Look at Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 39. And he rose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, No wonder someone said either he is the son of God or he's a lunatic or a liar. Is he on something? He speaks to trees, he talks about speaking to mountains. Now he speaks to the sea and even the wind. And what does he do? He said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And he said unto them, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have what? See, this is the first time. You have no faith. W- w- what does that imply? That have no faith. They could have done it. According to him. How is it that you have no faith? And they feared exceedingly and said one to another. What manner of man is this that even the wind and the sea obey him? Wow. What a challenge to all of us. The wind obeys. The sea obeys. Okay, that's one thing. But look at the next. Mark 5 verse 8. For he said unto him, he's speaking to the unclean spirit, come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. He didn't just look at him, he didn't just say, I'm Jesus. He spoke to the spirit and gave a command. And he said, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. He believed in his words. And as a result, this is the man of Gadara. He had all these demons bound up with chains, broke the chains, naked running through the wilderness. Nobody could contain him, control him, or anything of that nature. But when he saw Jesus, that demon could not keep that man from coming to Jesus. And when Jesus saw him in the condition that he was, he spoke a command. And when he gave that command, that demon obeyed and came out. You know what prayer does? Positions us to use our faith authoritatively. Remember he told his disciples, this doesn't come out by by fasting and prayer. He's talking about get the doubt out of you through fasting and prayer and then speak to that thing and it will obey you. In other words, condition yourself, position yourself. Too often, I think we think that it's all left up to God. God. But there are certain things he's left up to us to do in his name. To transact business for him in his name is what we're all called to do. That's what an ambassador does. You're a representative of the highest order. And you and I are here to transact business for the Lord upon the earth. He said, in my name, cast out demons. He didn't say, ask the father to cast them out. In my name, speak with new tongues. In my name, take up serpents. If you drink anything, it will not harm you in any way. In my name, lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Did you know he didn't even say pray for them, just lay hands on them? Just lay your hand on them. Lay your hand on them. I remember the hunters and how she said one time she was walking. I think she went to arrest them or something. Someone's in the wheelchair. She went and just laid her hand on the person and left. I guess the woman just jumped out of the wheelchair, got healed without saying anything. It can happen that way as well. You say, well, how did it happen without saying? I believe she probably said all the time, when I lay hands on the sick, they recover. When I lay hands on the sick. See, there's always a saying to it. When I lay hands on the sick, they recover. Look at the next one. How about this? We all should want this. John 11. Look at what it says. 41. And he stood over her and rebuked the fever and it left. And immediately she arose and ministered unto them. This is Peter's mother law. Luke's Gospel, 439. This is Peter's mother-in-law. Think about it. If Jesus would heal someone's mother-in-law, he'll heal anybody. Right? That's what I heard, anyhow. The fever. Fevers have ears. Fevers have ears. He, re- The re- word rebuke here is a sharp, Word, a powerful word with disdain. I mean, he was so opposed to it, to sickness and disease. He was vehemently against it and he rebuked it. Look at John's gospel, chapter 11. Then they took away the stone from the place, this is Lazarus, where the dead was laid. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. And I knew that thou hearest me always but because of the people which stand by I said it that they may believe that thou hast sent me what did he hear him say this sickness is not unto death but for the glory of God that the son of God may be glorified thereby well he died and he was dead for four days but he said this not to death he so believed in his words that when he said to his father I thank you that you heard me way back four days ago when I said this is not unto death that death itself will not Be greater than the words I spoke to you back then four days ago. You talk about belief in your words and their power and authority? Look at the next two. It's wonderful to know that the Lord hears what we say, right? Okay, look at this. And when he had thus spoken, he cried with a loud voice. I often thought about that. Why was he getting loud now? I guess if he just died, he was just dead maybe for an hour or two. He'd have been soft and quiet. But four days later, when the body's beginning to decay, he had to shout a little bit. He cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he that was dead came forth bound hand and foot with grave clothes. What is that telling us? He believed his words were more powerful than death itself and even decay in a human body. Come forth. It's almost as if his focus can not be obviously on the dead man's body that's decaying. They said by the time, by this time he stinketh or he's decaying. What's that got to do with it? What's that got to do with it? To him, it meant nothing. His words were more authoritative than death itself. His words were more powerful than death itself. He said, Father, I thank you that you heard me when I said this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified thereby. And I know you hear me always. What a wonderful statement. But for them, I said it. And what happened? He was brought out of the grave. Wow. And his face was, he was bound, of course, with the grave clothes. And was, his disciples were told, let him go. They said, and lose him. He says, let him go. But Jesus is dis- demonstrating to us how faith works. You've got to believe it in the heart. And you've got to say it with the mouth. And you've got to believe from your heart that what you say with your mouth has authority and power. And that's really developing the life of faith. It's what we believe. It's what we say. We believe, therefore we speak. And we're not going to get to this. It's getting late, but... But we're to believe is in the finished work of Jesus Christ. You know, all the time I hear people prophesying over over and over and over and over. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Something big. This year, something big. Something's going to. Going to, going to, going to, going to. Let me tell you something. 2,000 years ago, something great happened. 2,000 years ago, Jesus paid our ransom. 2,000 years ago, he was raised from the dead, took his blood to the high court of heaven and bought and paid for our salvation. And included in that is everything we need that pertains to life and godliness, and it's been given to us already. We have it right now. If we keep on waiting for something to happen, it'll never happen. If we say, I got it now, It's changing right here. It's changing right now. I believe I'm walking in the glory of God. I believe I'm walking in the fullness of my redemption. I believe my body's healed by the stripes of Jesus. I believe the spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is quickening my mortal body, making it whole. I believe I am more than a conqueror through him that loves me right now. I'm a world overcomer by my faith. He made me a world overcomer. I declare it. I decree it. I believe it. I have it. Thank you, Father, for revival is in me now. Hallelujah. Let's all stand together before the Lord.